Hello, everybody. This is Jean Barta with the Custer's Luck Radio Show. Merry Christmas Eve. Here's a show that I did some years ago, and it talks about collaboration and fraternization on the Rappahannock between the Union and Confederate soldiers during the American Civil War. Thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas. everybody, this is Jean Barta with the Custer's Luck Radio Show, and I am recording this show, Christmas on the Rappahannock, on December 24th, 2017, and I will post it for listening pleasure for the 25th or the 26th of December. I found this information from the Emerging Civil War website, and this is a blog that was posted last year by Christopher D. White, and he discusses here an instance which took place during the Civil War where the Union and Confederate soldiers collaborated and fraternized on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Let me get started here with the story. Chris, Mr. White explains, about 20 years ago, my parents bought me a Civil War painting by Ray W. Forkier. The painting, Christmas on the Rappahannock, has always been one of my favorites. It's not the artistry that I love so much, but the story that painting is based on. While much of the Civil War art that is out there revolves around the famous meetings of Lee and Jackson, or the heroic deeds on men on the field of battle, Christmas on the Rappahannock tells a much different story. It's the story of a handful of soldiers both blue and gray, away from their loved ones at Christmas. Although their ideals and a river divide them, these men find a way to put their differences aside for a few hours on Christmas Day, 1862. The storyteller is John R. Paxton. Paxton was 18 years old in 1862 and was a private in Company G of the 140th Pennsylvania Infantry. His unit had been formed during the emergency of 1862 as the rise of Robert E. Lee turned the Civil War on its ear. The 10 companies that comprised the 140th Pennsylvanian were recruited in western Pennsylvania from Green, Mercer, Beaver, and Washington counties. Washington County men made up the core of the unit as five of the companies came from said county. Company G was one of those Washington County companies. A large number of Company G's men came from the faculty, alumni, and student populations of Jefferson College in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. The Cannonsburg Brown Infantry, as they were nicknamed, carried 103 men off to war. The original company commander was John Fraser. Fraser was a professor of mathematics at the college. He took advantage of his final lecture in 1862 to call on the patriotic men in his class to go off to war with him in defense of the Union. John Paxton was one of those students. A rising senior, Paxton put his studies on hold to go off to war with his professor. Also joining Company G with John were his brothers, Wilson and Thomas. The war would carry John and his unit to some of the most hellacious points on the Civil War battlefields. At Chancellorsville, Company G helped to extract wounded Federal soldiers from the Chancellor House as it burned on May 3, 1863. 
At Gettysburg, the unit as a whole lost 241 of the 589 men engaged on Stony Hill, just west of the wheat field. Wilson Paxson was wounded there and spent the next 20 months of war as a prisoner. At Spotsylvania, the 140th was one of the first over the top on May 12th as they helped to break open the mule shoe. It was at Spotsylvania that Thomas Paxson was killed in action fighting near the Po River on May 9th. 1864. John survived the war unscathed. By the time the unit returned to western Pennsylvania in 1865, John was a captain and in command of Company G. Of course, this all was in the future on Christmas Day, 1862. The 140th Pennsylvania arrived at the front with the Army of the Potomac on December 20, 1862, just days after the stinging defeat at Fredericksburg. Nicknamed the Walking Artillery because of the heavy Vincennes rifles that had been issued, the regiment was assigned to the 3rd Brigade, 1st Division of the 2nd Corps. On Christmas Day, the men of the 140th Pennsylvania were rotated to the front for picket duty. Many of the Green Keystone State men found themselves away from home on Christmas for the first time. Standing on the cold banks of the Rappahannock River, some of the men started a conversation with the enemy pickets, men of William Barksdale's Mississippi Brigade. I will allow John Paxton to tell you the story of what transpired that Christmas day in his own words. And John Paxton follows. Gentlemen, the chair of the professor of mathematics is vacant in this college. Permit me to introduce to you Captain John Fraser. Rah, 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 and away we went and enlisted to go to Richmond. It took us three years to get there. No wonder. There were so many long streets to make our way through, so many hills to climb, so many stone walls to batter down, so many pickets to clear out of the way. It was as hard a road to travel as the steep and stony one to heaven. I started for Richmond in July 1862. A lad 18 years old, a junior in college, and chafing to be at it. It's double quick it after John Brown's soul, which, since it did not require a knapsack or three days' rations on a can or a canteen or a halt during the night for sleep, was always marching on. On the night before Christmas, 1862, I was a dejected young patriot wishing I hadn't done it, shivering in the open weather a mile back of the Rappahannock on the reserve picket and exposed to a wet snowstorm. There was not a stick of wood within five miles of us, all cut down, down, even the roots of trees, and burned up. We lay down on our rubber blankets, pulled out our woolen blankets over us, spooned it as close as we could to get to steal warmth from our comrades, and tried not to cry. Next morning the snow lay he heavy and deep, and the men, when I wakened and looked about me, reminded me of a church graveyard in winter. Fall in for picket duty. There come more. McMeus, Paxton, Perrine, Pollock, fall in. We fell in, of course. No breakfast, chilled to the marrow, snow a foot deep. We tightened our boats, our belts on our empty stomachs, seized our rifles, and marched to the river to take our six hours on duty. It was Christmas Day, 1862. And so this is war, my old me said to himself while he paced 
in the snow, his two hours on the river's brink. And I'm out here to shoot that lean, lank, coughing, cadaverous-looking butternut fellow over the river. So this is war. This is being a soldier. This is a genuine article. This is H. Greeley's On to Richmond. Well, I, was, I wish he was here in my place, running to keep warm, pounding his arms and breasts to make the chilled blood circulate. So this is war, tramping up and down this river my 50 yards with wet feet, empty stomach, swollen nose. Alas, while lying under the trees in the college campus last June, war meant to me martial music, Gorgeous brigadiers of blue and gold, tall young men in line, shining in brass. War meant to me tumultuous memories of Bunker Hill, Caesar's 10th Legion, the charge of the 600, anything but this. Shaw, I wish I were home. Let me see. Home? God's country. A tear? Yes, it is a tear. What are they doing at home? This is Christmas Day. Home? Well, stockings on the wall, candy, turkey, fun, Merry Christmas, and the face of the girl I left behind. Another tear? Yes, I couldn't help it. I was only 18, and there was such a contrast between Christmas 1862 on the Rappahannock and other Christmases. Yes, there was a girl, too. Such sweet eyes, such long lashes, such a low, tender voice. Come, move quicker. Who goes there? Shift the rifle from one aching shoulder to the other. Hello, Johnny. What are you up to? The river was narrow but deep and swift. It was a wet cold, not a freezing cold. There was no ice. Too swift for that. Hello, Johnny. What you coughing so for? Yank, with no overcoat, shoe full of holes, nothing to eat but parched corn and tobacco. And with this darn Yankee snow a foot deep, there's nothing left. Nothing but to get a cough up by way of protesting against this infernal ill-treatment of the body. We and Yank all have a cough over here, and there's no saying which will run us to hole first, the cough or your bullets. The snow still fell. The keen wind, raw and fierce, cut to the bone. It was God's worst weather in God's forlornest, bleakest spot of ground, that Christmas day of 62 on the Rappahannock, a half mile below the town of Fredericksburg. But come pick up your prostrate pluck, you shivering private. Surely there is enough dampness around without your adding to it your tears. Let's laugh, boys. Hello, Johnny. Hello yourself, Yank. Merry Christmas, Johnny. Same to you, Yank. Say, Johnny, got anything to trade? Parched torn corn and tobacco, the size of our Christmas, Yank. All right, you'll, you shall have some of our coffee and sugar and pork. Boys, find the boats. Such boats. I see the children sailing them on the small lakes in our central park. Some Yankee desperately hungry for tobacco. 
invented them for trading with the Johnnies. They were hid away under the banks of the river for four successive relays of pickets. We got out the boats. An old handkerchief answered for sale. We loaded them with coffee, sugar, pork, and set the sail and watched them slowly creep to the other shore. And the Johnnies? To see them crowd the bank and push and scramble to be the first to seize the boats, going into the water and stretching out their long arms. Then, when they pulled the boats ashore and stood in a group over the cargo, and to hear their explanations, Hurrah for hog! Say, that's not roasted rye, but genuine coffee. Smell it, Ewans, and sugar, too. Then they divided the consignment. They laughed and shouted, Reckon Ewans been good to weans this Christmas day, Yanks. Then they put parched corn, tobacco, persimmons into the boats and sent them back to us. And we chewed the parched corn, smoked real Virginia leaf, ate persimmons, which, if they weren't very filling, at least contracted our stomachs to the size of our Christmas dinner. And so the day passed. We shouted, Merry Christmas, Johnny. They shouted, same to you, Yank. And we forgot the biting wind, the chilling cold. We forgot those men over there were our enemies, whom it might be our duty to shoot before evening. We had bridged the river, spanned the bloody chasm, we were brothers, not foes, waving salutations of goodwill in the name of the babe of Bethlehem on Christmas Day in 62. At the very front of the opposing armies, the Christ child struck a truce for us, broke down the wall of partition, became our peace. We exchanged gifts. We shouted greetings back and forth. We kept Christmas, and our hearts were lighter for it, and our shivering bodies were not quite so cold. And so, that is the end of this story. I want to read one of the asterisk uh, additional notes at the end of this. And it is the John Paxton who relayed this story. He returned to Jefferson College in Pennsylvania and graduated in 1866. He went on to attend both Western Theological Seminary and Princeton Theological Seminary. In 1874, he was the minister of the Pine Street Church of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Ironically, the men of the 140th Pennsylvania worshipped in this same church on September 8, 1862, as a unit had been stationed nearby. Paxton went on to become the minister of churches in Washington, D.C. and New York City. He later penned a book sword and gown. And so, thank you very much for listening to this Christmas Eve, Christmas Day broadcast of collaboration on the Rappahannock River at Christmas 1862. Merry Christmas, have a wonderful holiday, and I'll be back with you later in the week. Good evening.
Sin 